Soul Talk is a podcast dedicated to making space for Latinx storytellers and content creators across all media to chat about their art, experiences, and culture. As a branch of the Soul Project, Soul Talk welcomes you to the green room. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Talk. My name is Joey Reyes, and my pronouns are they, them, and I'm the associate producer at The Soul Project. And today, I am actually not joined by David. This is a first in Soul Talk history. Um, you know, again, scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. <laughs> Sometimes things come up and and we, you know, we want to honor people's times and and you know, just just make sure that we we are getting these episodes out. So today I'm flying solo for this incredible, wonderful interview that you are about to listen to with the incredible and wonderful Daphne Rubin Vega. And if you don't already know who she is, let me tell you, Daphne is a two-time Tony Award nominee. She originated the role of Mimi Marquez in Rent the Musical as well as the role of Conchita in Nilo Cruz's Anna in the Tropics. You might also know her for her role as Daniela in the movie In the Heights, which premiered this past summer in June of 2021, which was postponed, originally was set to be released in June of 2020, and due to the pandemic was postponed to this year. She also has this cameo in the most recently released film on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom, in this beautiful scene with a ton of cameos. If you haven't seen it, you, you must go and watch. She also has a film that's going to be coming out. It was announced just a few weeks ago that she wrapped filming with Elizabeth Rodriguez, Liza Colon Zayas, both of whom are also members of Labyrinth Theater Company. So they are all colleagues, friends that have known each other for quite some time and they are creating the film together titled All's Well. So make sure that you are staying on the lookout for the details of when that will be released. I have been very excited for this interview and we had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I'm just so thrilled for you all to hear it. Before we jump in, this is going to be our final episode of 2021, but we will be back in 2022 with a few more episodes to round out season three of Soul Talk. And we are back in production mode. This time we are in partnership with the legendary Soho Repertory Theater. In the spring of 2022, we will be premiering Notes on Killing Seven Oversight Management and Economic Stability Board Members, written by Mara Velez Melendez and directed by our very own Associate Artistic Director, David Mentezabal. Tickets are now available for you to purchase, so make sure that you're getting those. They start at just $35. This will be in the spring. The dates are May 17th through June 19th. 2022 and it is soul number seven as a reminder uh the soul project has will sunset after 12 writers so we continue our mission and initiative to get more latina playwrights produced off broadway and just overall in the world exposed so make sure that you are joining us in person for live performances this spring um that's going to be very 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 exciting. And you can learn more about the production by visiting either sohorep.org or thesoulproject.org. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And we will be right back with our special guest, Daphne Rubin Vega. 
Hi everyone, welcome back. We are here with, uh, well, I am here with the lovely and wonderful Daphne Rubin Vega. Daphne, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Hi, Joey. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's funny because before we were, we actually started recording. I just <laughs> zipped right into uh, talking about the process. So now, oh, I'm okay. I love it. You like you like laid the foundation for us already. I think it's so so great. You know, I I do we do we do usually like to start off by just kind of like checking in. You know, like it's been a rough like almost two years for the world, and so how have you been taking care of yourself as best I can? You know, I think my best thing is to be um like mutable. You know, which is. Mm. It's just to to be adaptable. It's mm-hmm. like um, I. It, it's easy to think that like this is, you know, apocalyptic, which which brings me to you know the writing and stuff. But like that that uh, no one's ever been through anything like this before, mm-hmm. and you know I've never been through anything like this before, and I can't speak to you know what I haven't been through, but um, I can't imagine how. Um, our ancestors must have gone through anything better than mm-hmm. this, you know, or at least perhaps some of the us went through the illusion of better um, or that having an idea that we, we had a, yeah, I just try to stay open and keep it in the day and, you know, prepare to the best of my ability. But if I stay too much on a task, I'll burn out and 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 feel shitty because I haven't accomplished all the things that I think I should accomplish. Yeah. So um so just balancing that with with my family, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very important. We got a I'm... dog. We got a dog. Oh my dog. gosh. <laughs> you know, I have I I'm I'm lucky, you know. I am I'm very 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 You know, this this pandemic has has shown me in no uncertain terms how goddamn privileged I am how lucky I am you know how I wasn't you know I didn't I didn't I wasn't born into this kind of thing but like I was very lucky and I was particularly as a Latina to have made it um at least uh you know in in a material sense to um you know to have these accoutrements that can they can distract me from what's going on you know, and like mm-hmm. stay hunkered down and, um, and actually enjoy being hunkered down. But, um, sure. yeah, I, I'm really lucky. So we got a dog and, and we have <laughs> space to, <laughs> we have space to like have him run around and eat the, eat the nice things. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the lap of luxury. <laughs> well, he's a big ass dog and he you know he he's controlling and and he's like a he's a beast I don't I don't you know I didn't come from a world where we had mascots you know mascotas Mm -hmm. you know in Latin America you know it's a it's a sign of extreme privilege to have a mascota you know usually Mm -hmm. there's like you know the the animals in the neighborhood (laughs) you know like like and they they eat all the refuse like they're 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 the the neighborhood pets you know and you don't really want them in you don't want them in your house you want them out there you know (laughs) just in case that you know you throw your they're like you know um 
yeah, quicker picker uppers of sorts. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm being kind of glib about it, but yeah, that, <laughs> that it's a, that like, I'm really, I'm really feeling it that, um, you know, to, you know, it takes a while for the coins to drop, but how I'm mm-hmm. dealing with it is I'm having a really hard time reconciling how the richest country in the world you know, and I'm not apologetic about my accomplishments, but that I see, you know, I have a dog that's all cute and people stop and love it, but there are people without pants on in the street, Mm -hmm. you know, um, living in boxes that, uh, that just, that just rocks me. How do, how do we, how did, how did we get here where, um, where we really believe we are what we own to the degree that we can't, um, that, I, that I'm treating a human being that looks like me, that like worse than I treat my dog. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying I should treat my dog badly. That's not what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, but like how to actually affect change is, um, has got me, has got me. You know, so, so, so writing about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I find that telling our stories and like being in the world where um, I've been really lucky to to enjoy telling stories and, and get in there to see how, you know, who's taking in the story. Mm-hmm. As an artist, it's not my job to think about who's listening. I, I know that I'm writing for myself and, and, and I'm writing for you out there and, if I, you know, if you get it, you'll hear it. Mm-hmm. But I often wonder if, like, that's just the diluted criteria of a young innocent that um, just has no business savvy, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, as a as an as an elder, I want to say, fuck that. Like, <laughs> no te preocupes con el business. Like, that will be taken care of. Yeah. But um, the older I get, the more I see that the world is, you know, society is working just fine at elevating certain things and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and not elevating others. So, you know, that's just, I hope that made sense. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, to putting, putting that on paper is, and, um, is it's just like I don't want to hear about that but what I do want to hear about and what I want to talk about is how it has impacted my life mm-hmm. you know that like that like some of us have some hella stories yeah hella stories you yeah. know that we that we we didn't have to research <laughs> because <laughs> we lived them you know exactly yeah and um and that fascinates me. So, you know, that's like where I can go, where it's warm. Um, mm-hmm. And so to be quite frank, you know, going there is even, is still hard, right? Because it's like, I'm sitting there in front of a page saying, how do I begin to, um, you know, what story do you want to tell, right? Mm-hmm. There's a bazillion to different synapse routes that your story could go. And that's my new dog. <laughs> he, he, he's not new. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm hearing what I'm what I'm really like picking up from that is is creativity has is 
been like really helpful in terms of like taking care of yourself and and getting your thoughts out especially with your writing and everything and and you know that's and and, and telling stories had definitely manifested in your life throughout the course of this year and I definitely want to get to that but I do want to I do want to like take it back and and you you started to touch on this a little bit I I wonder if you can share a little bit about how you grew up and like what 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 led you to storytelling what attracted you to it um, I know that you were born in Panama and raised in New York and, you know, like what kind of like started, started your journey and your love for storytelling? My love for storytelling. There's so many ways to, to, to answer that question. I don't know, but you know, right now what sounds right is that there was some sort of, I, I wanted to be outside of where I was, right? Like my life wasn't enough somehow mm-hmm. or storytelling that like, fantasy was a place to the beginning of escape right I'm not even sure what I'm escaping from I mean I'm talking about pre-verbal age right (laughs) but I know I know that I remember you know living living in a in a home also you know and 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 it wasn't all born of of fantasy because I didn't want to be where I was or in my body or all that. A lot of it was real curiosity and what the grownups saw. Like, for example, my mom, you know, came to the United States early. You know, we were separated a little bit while she mm-hmm. came to get an education, but she was in love with classics and um you know, classical by by that I mean classical music and opera and you know art, um, you know, from, from the European canon, mm-hmm. you know, like George Bernard Shaw, like Eurocentric civilized art is, mm-hmm. was her, her wheelhouse. You know, she loved the viola and Brahms and, you know, opera and she had a great voice and she died when I was really young. So a lot of this has become, um, <clears throat> memory, mm-hmm. uh, like, and then it's like embellished memory from the retelling. So I think that that was an impetus to really, that solidified my writing, you know, honestly, to resurrect my dead, you know, my, my, the dead, the dead in my life. Right. Mm. So like my mom died early, my dad died, you know, my, I have a step, I had a stepdad who recently died, you know, but you know, I was, I'm an adult though, but I'm talking about, you know, people who died like, preemptively in youth, you know, which causes, you know, we don't like to talk about it. It's like, you know, buck it up. And I was a kid that was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. (laughs) You know, like, like just, you know, and so I think the need to write was to sort of put that in its place and make sense out of it and actually exorcise it, you know, express it. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I have a dog, you know, there's like, um, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other kind of expression I'm not getting into. But um, but yeah, to like literally express a wound is mm-hmm. to detoxify, to get it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I found a lot of growing up expression in clothing and music yeah. and sort of, you know, privándome del artista. You know, I wanted to paint and I wanted to, you know, why stay in one niche, you know, Mm -hmm. hence 
singing and acting, but not wanting to do it together. Like musical theater was not something I wanted to really do. But then I made an exception because there was an exceptional, an exceptional, you know, opportunity. So I think later on, yeah, I, I think I always wanted to know, like, how am I here and now with my mom dead in this letter that articulates why she even came here? I think it, it really started with this letter. I mean, mm -hmm. it started before, you know, what's the origin, right? I don't know. I could, I could cite many little instances that made me think like, I want to, I want to wear that dress. Everything from, I wanted <laughs> to wear Cinderella's dress to, mm -hmm. I wanted to look like people who didn't look like me to, mm -hmm. I saw someone who looked like me, who's doing exactly what I'm talking about to this is how I do it, you know, to, you know <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the process of failing in public too, you know, mm. and by that, I mean, not that, it, you know, such a notorious putting it out there to a point where um, having the, you know, the courage to put your stuff out there. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that, that level of vulnerability is definitely something that you learn, right? And is and is built over time and that willingness to to be that vulnerable. And I think something that is so essential to the building of that skill is being surrounded in in a in a community, having a community around you that is supportive and that you can trust and you know, essentially like a like a chosen family too, I think. I think is is something that's really important. You know, I think as, as Latinx, Latina people, I think that just kind of happens too. You know, you end up adopting people into family and they become your family, even if they're not blood related. I think that's just like a natural inclination that comes within like being a part of, of, of this community. And I wonder yeah. like, where, where were you, where were you finding that as you were, as you were growing up? Like what sort of spaces were, were you finding your community and, and, um, your tribe, your people. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, growing up, my my community, and you know, that's it speaks to like, you know, I'm thinking like now, my community. When you say what you say, is artists, um, you know, a community of artists, a coterie of people who I think mm -hmm. are badass that do exactly what you know I like, and I and I. I admire, you know, um, mm -hmm. like Kiara, you know, Alegria Hoodies, like yeah. she's, she, and Erin McKeown, you know, and yeah. um, just being in spaces where people, you know, I've been very lucky to be around spaces with Lynn to just watch how, you know, that, that spritzatura, that ability to make it look effortless. Yeah. The, the, the very, very difficult, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been lucky with that, but you know, when I was younger, um, it was rock and roll, right? Like yeah. um, my band, which was all male, which was rock centric, which was, mm -hmm. you know, even if we are um, from different parts of the diaspora, we're we're firmly you know entrenched in rock and roll okay yeah. <laughs> so and and that's a different a total like ethic and dynamic and and it spoke to me loud and and clear and it was my soul until it 
wasn't and it's not that I don't love rock and roll you know what I mean mm -hmm. but it's like suddenly turning vegetarian you know and realizing <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like I really loved meat but now I can't enjoy it you know and so much because I know I know too much like I know how sausage <laughs> is made ah. um, you know or, or in high school there was a lot of um shape-shifting you know like just the idea that growing up and uh, you know surviving adapting right mm -hmm. to what is as as we come to today but like that process growing up was was really more like a shape shifting mm -hmm. which required a denial of who i was mm -hmm. right and that you know that came with its its particular set of lessons but that was really my teenage years. I was in spaces where it was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, yeah, of course I'm Latina and like acting proud, but I was not like other Latinos. Like I was in spaces where I was different from other Latinos. Mm -hmm. So there was a low key kind of like, I am a gente, kind of like head shaking thing. It was a self-hatred that I was mm -hmm. never really in touch with because I was trying to elevate right yeah and you know part of that was because you know my mom had passed and she was really a grounded black Latina even though she married a white man right <laughs> so when she and she would always be like you know nunca carajo nunca te olvides de tu raza but <laughs> You know, um, and so like, you know, that's, that's kind of in my mantra, but I was still in, in very white spaces, which, you know, was how I grew up um, yeah. in the absence of my mom being around. So, you know, and, and so to be kind of like an honorary mishpocha, you know, honorary <laughs> Jew, but never, you know, quite. So like, just mm. um only later, later in life, and specifically after the pandemic, did the coins drop on what that experience was for me in another kind of specific way, which had to do with the denial of the fact that I had to deny myself, mm -hmm. you know, and that like low key inherently have somewhere in my space that I had to be less than. So it really was shape-shifting and it wasn't yeah. adapting, mm -hmm. you know, and like how to take that and turn it into ad adapting in a healthy, fuller way, you know? Sure. So that just meant like being aware of complicit I was in my, uh, just awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then to do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not easy. It takes, it takes a lot to show up in the fullness of your humanity. And when there are spaces that are, you know, not created with that in mind, you feel that so, so much. I totally understand how you're feeling or how, and those times that you felt where it was like, I can only show up with this part of my identity in this space, but I need to like pull back a little bit here or, you know, kind of like that that self-policing that ends up happening code switching when the you're, code switching yeah. yeah exactly and you know I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Kiara and Aaron because um I did I did want to touch a little bit on on what your experience was like working with them on Miss You Like Hell um back in I, I believe that was in 2018 that was actually you know it's, it's funny I was actually an intern at the public 
during the time when that production was going on. And, and I just imagine that like, that was a space, you know, I know you all have like this love for each other and, and it was, and it was like femme centered and, and, you know, and you and Giselle, like just this relationship that you, you portrayed on stage of mother and daughter you know, I was I, I was privileged enough to see the show multiple times, and even during the student student matinee performance too, which is just like a whole another dynamic when you like have young people in the room absorbing the story. Like, what was that that experience like for you? I, I imagine there was more. You were able to like enter that space a little bit more fully with your humanity. Yeah, that space was set up. I mean, you know, it's interesting doing interviews and I want, always want to sound, you know, like I don't want to just be controversial or anything, but, you know, it was really weird and it was kind of uncomfortable, like after the, you know, I'm, I'm up for anything, you know, mm-hmm. I'll try pretty much anything, you know, I definitely have opinions and I, I say no to a lot of shit, but like my, my impetus is, um, what a great idea to have, um, the audience on the stage bearing mm-hmm. that kind of witness like interactive mm-hmm. and then this wall what a great beautiful yeah. um, and and it's not like you know I feel like it was the kind of thing where people didn't I, I could palpably feel it people don't want to be it's like they want to <laughs> I don't I don't want to be part of this conversation don't don't make me don't put me this close right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I need space and of course, I'm like, why? You know, this is theater, <laughs> man. Like, come on, get in there. Um, although, as you know, it, of course, this is, the, we are the actors. You're not required to uh, behave for us. Do you know, that's a big mm-hmm. ask um, in, this, in this sense. And, you know, it was an experiment worth taking. I think that it was such a powerful um like fulfilling experience you know not without it's like real pain because you know we we performed on election night in 2016 you know after Mm -hmm. opening and like when we went into the theater it was a different time when we came out of the theater you know decisions had been made about you know the election and it was it was it was one of those moments in time that like, where were you when? <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it was, it was pivotal and it was, it felt, it felt palpable, like beginning and the end and thinking that perhaps even that would impact on the reception of the piece even mm-hmm. better. But no, I think it was tough to see that more energy was not put into, you know, developing it further. Right. Mm. You know, because if I'm going to get like, oh, like, you know, go there, it's like, wow, if, you know, these X, Y, and Z producers or creatives had been working on it, they would have given it way more time and attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I think that you're, you're making a really important point in terms of like, like invest in our stories, right? Like that's really what it is. It's like invest in these stories, you know. Like they... literally, literally. <laughs> literally. Literally, yeah. yeah. There that's are shows important. out there that are like, oh, you're investing in these stories. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. 
you know, it's your yeah. mother. So yeah, it was um it was beautiful to to play that mother and it was really um you know, I felt I felt certain kinds of ways around the fact that certain kind of people would come up to me and say like what kind of mother do you think you are? There's no excuse for a mother leaving her daughter in certain, so, mm. you know, like, you know, like they telling me, sort of like, expelling yeah, like very, <laughs> like in, in, in Spanish novela, you know, how like, people are like, Como like, how could you do these things, right? Yeah. People freely giving me their opinion about my character's decisions, which I found amusing, but, you know, in that kind of pissed off way, because it was like, if this were a guy, mm. like, you know, some cute dude that made these decisions, people would be like, of course. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of that back to back and then and then the pandemic hit. So and and for me, the pandemic was not just COVID related. It was it was just this whole dialogue about race and racism, which I always find a really touchy word because it's like if we could only remember that there's a human race, then racism would become like this kind of word that would require study. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, what race, right? Like human race? So that just these ideas about how um, we're using the color of skin to um, weaponize like in serious ways, you know, and to, oh. you know, microaggress in these more obvious ways that it astounds me that aren't obvious to certain people mm -hmm. and how, you know, not sure whether it's like how easy it is to not understand or how hard it is to understand, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, so those things are, the things that make it difficult to write in the context specifically. Yeah. I can only write about them in the context specifically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, um, you know, we, we only have so much time together, so I want to be able to like touch, touch on some highlights from this year too. Beginning of this year, we have, I'm just, just to name a few <laughs> beginning mm -hmm. of 2021, we have the 25th anniversary of the opening of Rent. Um, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> um, and at this point now, you know, it's almost 26 years. We're at the very end of 2021. It was in January of 96. So, you know, we, we, we've got that. Insane. Um, we, we finally get the release of In the Heights, which was supposed to come out in summer 2020 um, and then was postponed due to COVID. Um, and then and and then just a few weeks ago actually it was announced that you uh just wrapped filming with uh elizabeth rodriguez and liza Gonzalez on yes. uh, your new film all together all all's well um yeah. and then and then uh and tick tick boom that just just uh came out and you know you're you're a part of this incredible scene with all these beautiful cameos of human beings including two of your original cast members from from rent um and just like the just this this so essentially what i'm saying is like this the, i feel like this this year has just shown like the power of community for sure you know obviously last year like 
there was so much rallying and everything and in terms of like art making and 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 being able to see representation of mm-hmm. of of folks um becoming more visible and yeah. and taking taking having their moment you know yeah i i just i just wanted to list those things and you can pick it up from wherever like just how how has this year <laughs> reflecting on 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 all these things that are that have been accomplished what's what's ruminating for you well it's true i for, i forget that that you know during times that it seems like nothing is happening we you know, I've been lucky to be in these projects and they didn't come out, you know, in time, but, you know, all's well did get made. It's like we, um, we go where we can and create what we can. And sometimes it turns into something bigger than we could possibly imagine. And sometimes it's just a powerful, you know, quiet thing. Like we can't, you know, it's hard for me to to determine that. Um, but I guess what I'm really trying to say is that there is truth to the idea that crisis really inspires opportunity. Mm. That, um, you know, because of the incredible loss and grief of the pandemic early on, the loss of you know, we talk about George Floyd, but he was like, and he wasn't even the last, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was, he was, you know, the culmination of, you know, Brianna, Ahmad, and then just the countless others that just kept coming, that excruciating, like, 21st century sacrifice that, that, you know, just had to perhaps bring some of us to ask ourselves. I know I asked myself, like, what what do I need to say and why? And who needs to hear it? You know, mm-hmm. do I really need to talk about what my experience was coming up in theater as a brown person? Maybe, you know, but do I need to talk about how like trauma affected my life and got recycled into a will to create? Fuck yeah, I do need to talk about that, you know? Gosh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sitting with all of that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's funny, you're, you're bringing up something from this conversation that I was just having recently about silence, kind of in general. There was, there was the idea presented that, that silence is dangerous and, you know, it kind of sparked this, this conversation because, because there's also that saying, you know, silence is golden. There's also and silence equals death and silence equals death. Exactly. You know, the, the way that, that this, this one thing, this, this concept, this, this idea, this non-action holds so many multiple truths, just like humanity. (laughs) Um, And when it comes to telling stories and art making, how do we navigate that? Those questions that you asked, which I think are like, questions that any writer is going to ask themselves what do I want to say how do I want to say it who needs to hear it do people need to hear it like I wonder in terms of 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 Oswell I know it's not it's not completely you just finished filming and I I know there's still a whole post-production process that is I'm sure is is happening so you're not quite complete yet with the with with the work yet but what has the process been like so far and in collaborating with people that that you 
you've had these relationships with for quite some time? It was unlike any other collaborative experience I've had before mm. because, um, you know, there was, yeah, it, because because we're all new at this language it, because we're all new at saying, you know what, let's make this film on our mm -hmm. terms. Yeah. So... So that was a new experience on how to navigate how that is. Um, so sometimes it was confusing, um, but you know, the energy, you know, is what you make it, right? I'm really, really excited to see how it comes out because it was uh, truly a collaborative effort, right? Yeah, And we had to, you know, to do that, you have to um, sort of, well, you know, have a have an extra allotment of, of uh, trust in the mm -hmm. process and in people that you're, you're not usually taking in when it comes to certain decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, yeah. As you know, lab it's an easy thing to do when you, you know, are a lab member, you know, mm -hmm. it was, it was also good to, to create a story based on this, in this context on, on, um, on stories that we had created together. I love that. I, I just, ima I just imagine you all just kind of like sitting around the table and, and, and I had a, an experience like this recently sitting, sitting in a room with, with, uh, with artists and, you know, they're, they're talking about this, what they, what they want to be writing, but, but it, but it turns into just kind of like sharing stories, you know, from your, from your lives. And you may not be like writing in that moment, but you're just kind of, you have, you have one thought that then sends you on to this. Oh, that reminds me of this. I went, oh my gosh, you know, so-and-so in my life. It's just like that person. And I right. and like that, that, that manifestation, the, the in, invocation of, of these lives that, that have been lived um, and not just like it your invoked. own personal lives, but, but the lives of other people from, from your own histories and how all of a sudden they're coming together to make this, this, this one story with so much specificity that it ends up being yeah. universally related, right? Um, and the power right. of that specificity. Oh, I'm really yes. excited. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Like we get, we get identification through specificity, I think. You know, when we identify, you know, and not compare. Absolutely. Wow, time moves in such strange ways. I want to respect your time. So- um, Are we almost done? We're almost done? Yeah, yeah. oh my goodness. Daphne, thank you. Thank you so, so much for, for making the time to chat with me today. I want to, you know, take this, this last moment here. Is there any, any other, any other like, thoughts on your mind, things that, that you, that you feel need to be said that, that people should hear or just, yeah, just anything that you want to share with, with our listeners? You know, being a writer, being creative, is not a prerequisite, you know? And I think that it's, it's like, if, if it's not in you, like, like let yourself off the hook, <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> it's like, like, don't like, it's not it's not a special more worthy 
fast, you know, access to heaven or or to intelligence or but it feels like when you have a calling, like you must answer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to um it's just gonna bother you until you do. You don't <laughs> until you until you address it, right? Mm-hmm. And that to a degree, I mean, you know, it is a muscle that needs to be exercised, but it lays dormant and gestates and probably comes back stronger. It doesn't, you know, like wither and die like we believe it does. Yeah, I, I don't know why I had to say that, but I, I really believe that that's true. I think that we think, oh my God, I lost the window. It's like, oh, you could just pick up the window. It might be easy. It might be hard, but, you know, it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that because, you know, I've been, I've written two page, like less than, I've written less than a page, you know. Why is it so difficult? (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you again for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. My best. Keep me posted. Oh, absolutely. And I will make sure that you get that sweater. <laughs> Ooh, the sweatshirt <laughs> with the hoodie. Thank you, Joey. Thanks. Thank you, listeners. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Uh, I've just wrapped up my interview with Daphne Rubin Vega. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Just having a little moment here to myself. What a wonderful conversation with an incredible artist, obviously someone who has a very robust career and is just, you know, blossoming so much this year with the work that she's doing and and people that she's working with and the representation that she is creating uh, with, with the projects that she is involved with. It's so wonderful to see. And, you know, it, it was just such a such a, an honor to be able to have a conversation with her. Thank you all for, for tuning in. This is our final episode of 2021, but we will be back in 2022 with the second half of season three of Soul Talk. Um, we are very excited for our upcoming guests. But in the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful holidays. Get some rest, stay safe, stay healthy, be vaccinated, get your booster shots, wear your masks, take care of each other, look out for one another, and we will see you in 2022. Thank you again for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Soul Talk. Soul Talk is a branch of The Soul Project, a national theater initiative dedicated to producing the work of Latinx playwrights in New York City and beyond co-hosted by David Mendezabal and Joey Reyes. Edited by Ira Zacarias. You can follow us at www.soulproject.org, on Instagram and Twitter at soulprojectnyc, and on Facebook at The Soul Project. Thank you for listening. Thank you.